statistically very likely to automatically just withdraw back into your own socioeconomic and ethnic and racial uh, 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 group. And then after that, you know, you're, you're, you're no longer going to have the ability to cross over and to uh, uh, be, a, be an ummah like we were supposed to be, like we were always meant to be and like we were commanded to be. So we start with the topic of marriage, uh, which is a, a, an, an interesting topic. We are, live in somewhat of a blip right now because people, unlike most of the history of Islam, people are getting married at an extremely late age. Traditionally, the, the, the practice of Muslims is to get married when? Right after, right after puberty, especially for the girls and for the boys, maybe just a little bit more beyond that. Uh, I think one of the reasons why people are marrying later and later is because of a, a completely manufactured uh, concept, social concept called adolescence, that you're a teenager, you're going to be a rebel and go do this and go do that and go do the other thing. It's really something that from hum most of human history, most cultures don't have a concept of this. It's very interesting that uh, traditionally most cultures used to segregate people by gender but not by age. But now we segregate people by age, but not by gender. The whole idea of keeping people in, in a continuum of mixed ages is that, that kids then learn how to behave like adults. Kids always tried to behave like little adults. Their mental faculties, you know, they're at different developmental stages. So they're not able to be like, the, be like their elders because of a lack of experience or a lack of development uh, uh, mentally, psychologically, physically. Uh, however, the idea was always that they tried to behave like their elders, they tried to emulate their elders. We live in an age where the philosophy of following, following the footsteps of those who came before you is a philosophy which is much derided. So I, I think that there's a lot of intentional um, social engineering uh, that goes into the way school uh, unfolds, goes into the way education unfolds, goes into the way that you go to college, university, etc. Um, many people don't think about that, that somebody actually made this uh, uh, by design this way and intended a certain set of outcomes uh, with it. One can debate you know, whether they're interpreting what those outcomes and what that design is properly or not, but trust me, nothing happens by accident. All of it is done on purpose. And at any rate, one of the interesting, whether it was by design or not, one of the interesting outcomes of the way that we've been living as a society in America over the last, uh, over the last 50, 70, 100 years is that marriage levels are declining and marriage itself has become now the preserve of the, of the, of the wealthy. The marriage rates amongst wealthy people uh, are, are still relatively high and stable. The marriage rates amongst middle class and amongst poor people are falling apart because economically it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a lot of people uh, and there's, there's no incentive toward it. Now we are a people who don't view the world around us as purely economic or purely material. There's some sort of spiritual reality to the world around us. This is part of our worldview as Muslims that you came from somewhere and you're here for a reason and you're going to a destination and the reason that you're here is not entirely uh, you know, cocooned up in physical things, fulfilling physical needs. 
and the destination you're going to is also uh, not only will I say not entirely cocooned up in physical uh, considerations but it's nearly absent of physical considerations the, the, the place that you're going and the place that I'm going is a place where we will face the consequences of what we did in this world um, and those consequences will be judged on a completely spiritual level just like a person can do something that's immoral in this world and benefit materially over here uh, in that side the person will benefit materially for and spiritually from that thing that they did which was uh, moral and which was upright and which was virtuous so uh, given that difference of worldview that, that we hold as Muslims compared to the rest of society we also should consider marriage differently than the people around us consider it and if a person wants to know a, is it a good idea to get married or not? Uh, look at the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Look at the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala very clearly says in his book, that you're supposed to marry. It's a commandment, it's a sigatul amr, it's the imperative form that you should marry, uh, that as men you should marry the, uh, those women who are uh, that you find pleasant for, for that purpose, that you find agreeable for that purpose. And obviously a woman will then marry the man as well. This is just a, 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 a way of stating the same fact because a man cannot marry a woman obviously without her marrying him back. The hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam further explains what? It says that, uh, that the nikah is nisfu al-deen wa nisfu al-akhir fattaqillah that the nikah is half of the deen and for the other half of the deen you will find it by the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by, 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 by your fear of God this is not a, a, a statement that is purely made in uh, in mubalagha it's, purely, it's not a purely rhetorical statement there's a reality to it so many of the ahkam, so many of the uh, rulings of deen, they then will revolve around the institution of marriage. Your respect for your elders, your respect for your parents, your uh, uh, respect for one another as uh, a husband and a wife, your respect for your children, your children's respect for you, your earning for them. What does it mean? You know how people, people have their awrad that they say, they say dhikr or they read a certain amount of Quran every day. Everybody should have some time like that. Even if it's five minutes, all you do is you say, okay, I'm, every day I'm going to you know, pick a time, whatever to pick it. After Salat al-Asr, I'm going to sit and read, you know, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Ten times or something like that. Someone should, everyone should have a weird that they do every day of, 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 of dhikr and of the recitation of the Qur'an, etc. From amongst the greatest awrad, not every weird requires that a person have like a, a, a fancy uh, sibha. You understand what I'm saying? That you go and you say, I'm going to read this surah like a thousand times or what. It, not every word requires that. One very good example of a word that doesn't require that is your nafil prayers. A person shouldn't miss the two rak'ahs uh, after the, or before the salat al-subah, before the salat al-fajr. A person shouldn't miss the two rak'ahs after, uh, after salat al-maghrib. A person shouldn't miss the two rak'ahs after salat al-maghrib. A person shouldn't miss their witr after the salat al-isha, etc. And actually one of the hikmahs of, of having awrad that are not salat is that because then uh, 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 you won't be disrupted with them in your travel. 
the sisters won't be disrupted with them in the time of their uh, uh, menses, that you can read adhkar and things like that without, without being disrupted. But at any rate, not every dhikr requires a, uh, uh, you to be on wudu, and not every dhikr requires that you have a sibha. One of the greatest awrad is what? Is a sa'i al al-iyal. It's a hadith of the Prophet وسلم, striving in order to serve your family. It's a hadith of Rasulullah that there are certain sins that won't be forgiven, that won't be forgiven except for through uh, uh, reading nafil prayers. And there are certain sins that won't be forgiven except for through keeping uh, nafil fasts. And there are certain sins that won't be forgiven except for through the, the, the struggle that you go through in order to provide for your family. The struggle that you go to in order to provide for your family. So you see pictures of refugees from different countries. Uh, you, see, uh, uh, you see like, for example, a family and the father is, is like going out of his mind or a mother is going out of her mind in order to protect her children. Or you'll even see this amongst children. There are certain children that are orphans or even the ones that are not, but for some reason their father and mother are not able to provide. One of the siblings, you'll see there's a special thing inside of their heart that they'll struggle. Say, I'll go and get something for my uh, little brother or for my little sister or for my mother or whatever. I'm going to go and earn for them. Little kids do that, you know? The kids that are in, uh, uh, in, in countries, other countries, you see them, they're like selling like tissue boxes and they're walking through the streets selling people bottles of water and things like that. Don't treat them as an annoyance. Even if you don't have the money or you don't want to buy the box of tissues or you don't want to buy the bottle of water from them, don't treat them with annoyance. It's literally haram. Like eating pork is haram, it's haram. If for you to say a bad word to them, for you to push them out of the way, even, even, for, even for you to look at them with the look of disdain. Even if the subtlety of the disdain is so much that that person themselves won't, won't uh, see it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees it. This is from the first, uh, uh, from the first commandments of, or prohibitions of revelation is what? That the one who is, the one who is uh, asking for something, don't, don't, don't uh, be harsh with them. So those people, you'll see that this is a, a, a certain piety inside of the heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala activates in, in certain people. That is what? That is also a weird, that's just like someone being a hafiz of Qur'an or some like, it's like somebody fasting by day and, uh, by day and praying by night, etc., etc. So what does Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mean? For the second half of your deen, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The idea is that so many, so many of the ahkam and the rulings of fiqh, so many of the aqaid of deen, right, the beliefs of Islam, and so much of the, the tazkiyah, the, the spiritual well-being of the heart of Islam, it revolves around what? Those things that have to do with marriage. Now this is one of the catastrophes of the age that we live in, that we have taken the bid'ah, the reprehensible innovation of, uh, of, of Western secular liberalism into our deen. Remember this, the word bid'ah, many people are annoyed with this word because people have misused it. They've said bid'ah for things that are usually just a difference of opinion amongst the ulama. So it's a bid'ah to say amin out loud or not say it out loud. These things are not bid'ah. These are differences of opinion. Even the sahaba anhum had differences of opinion regarding these things. Bid'ah is what? A change in your belief regarding the deen of Islam or a change in, in the, the mode of, uh, of worship. The idea is that the mode of worship can only be told to you by wahi, by revelation that comes from the unseen. A person cannot sit and figure it out. If they could figure it out, there's no need for nubuah. There's no need for prophecy. 
And the beliefs regarding the unseen, obviously they also have to come from the unseen. So the person who claims they know something about the unseen that wasn't told to them by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they have violated the Khatmun Nubu'ah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They've claimed that somebody receives prophecy or revelation after Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a Khatmun Nabiyyin, he's the seal of the Prophets Alaihi Salaam. This is a bid'ah problem that we have made Deen, we've made religion into something, and Deen doesn't even translate to religion. Deen is a completely different thing. I think if you want to translate the word Deen, you can't translate it into English. There's no word for it in English. Perhaps because very few people have it. The, like a word that, has anyone here studied like comparative religions or philosophy? Mashallah, everyone's going to med school, right? Shabash, mashallah. Your parents are going to be proud of you, mashallah. So there's, there's a, the, a traditional religion in China called Taoism, right? The word Tao, it doesn't mean like religion as in I'm changing my religion. They don't have that concept. They have a concept that the universe is a certain way and you follow the way of the universe. This is the same thing, the word Hinduism, for example. This is something that is a, a, a word that, that, that foreigners, when they come to India, will use in order to describe the re religion of the, the people who, who were native to India from, from early antiquity. Otherwise, the word Hindus, they actually, if you read philosophy, they identify, they self-identify as what? They say this is the Sanatan Dharam. Dharam is the same word as Deen, it's the same word as Dao. It means this is the eternal, the eternal path. It's the only, it's the way stuff is, right? Because what? You and I can't just be like, hey, we believe in the, and they, people do this sarcastically, by the way, so we believe in the spaghetti monster. It's sarcasm, right? Because there's, there's no spaghetti monster, you've lied now. There's no, you're not talking anymore about something that's a reality. The idea with religion is what people understood intuitively that there is a spiritual reality to existence. Existence is not, they, it's not, they didn't have a reductionist outlook that, uh, that existence is only limited to empirical experiences, what you can see, taste, smell, touch. Uh, uh, you know, they understood that there's a higher reality and religion is a, Religion as a Western concept, because of a decoupling of religion from, 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 from social life and really then philosophically from reality itself, you have this kind of different idea. The idea with, with Dean is what? Dean is, is, is just the way stuff is. You and I may disagree about what that is, but the approach is the same that we're just trying to live a life and negotiate our place with the universe based on the way the universe is. This is a bid'ah that has crept into our deen, which is what? Which is the deen is kulli, it's a complete, it's a universal, it's a universal way of life. It is trying to, it, attempting to explore the way stuff is. So these wonderful gentlemen who are making a car in Ford, this is also part of deen. These people, what they're doing is also part of deen. The people who are studying Arabic, alif, ba, ta, tha, fa'ala, yaf'alu, uh, in, in the Arabic department and the people who are whatever studying the Quran and the Hadith and looking through manuscripts of religious texts, they're also studying Deen. The one who is doing mechanical engineering and electrical engineering, God knows what else, that's also part of the Deen. That's also part of the Deen as well. Everything has its place. Faqaha, the idea of fiqh is just knowing where, where to put everything in its place. So the idea is what? Is that the, 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 the knowledge that, that's bequeathed to us regarding deen from revelation, it sits neatly in the, into five categories. The ibadat, your acts of ritual, acts of worship, 
your, uh, your ibadat, your aqaid, your beliefs regarding the world around you. Everyone has beliefs regarding the world around them. Right? Somebody believes, somebody believes that whenever it rains, there's a, you know, whatever. There's a fish in the sky that's flapping around and some water comes off of it and it comes on our head. So that's ridiculous, Sheikh. Okay, there's some people who believe money makes the world go round. Which is, which, is, which is more correct? Both of them are just as ridiculous. But it's a metaphor, Sheikh. Even the metaphor is preposterous. Can you eat money? Can you? Somebody break out a, a, a... Here, I'll give you a $20 bill. Who will eat it for me? Right? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quarter. Who will eat it for me? You can't eat it. Can you live in it? Can you, uh, can you, what, what can you do with it? Will it, you know, will it make, will it make people love you? Well, yeah, in a very crude and vernacular way, possibly for a short amount of time, but in, like, really love you? No, right? It's not really going to make people love you. What is it? It's just a story we tell. It's an aqidah we have in a piece of paper. If I took out a $20 bill or a $100 bill right now and ripped it into shreds and just threw it in your face, everyone would be like, <gasps> if we had like the EKG meter like hooked up to you, your heart would tap, 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 you, somebody, you know, like people will be like, why are you doing that, Sheikh? You could have given that in Sadaqah, you could have just done it. It's just a piece of paper, Akhi. What's, what's wrong with you? You know, what's, 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 the, what's the problem? It, because the problem is there's aqidah attached to that. There's an aqidah attached to that. It's literally against the law to rip up money. It's a, like a federal offense. You can, you can cuss out God, you can cuss out a, a Nabi, you can say a lie against another human being. That's not a big deal. You rip up the money, you've committed an act of blasphemy. So, the aqaid, so don't, don't let people be like, oh, you and your imaginary friend, we've moved on from religion, religion causes wars, blah, 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 all this other stuff. We have, we have a religion, you have a religion as well. You call it by a different name. You call it by a different name. Somebody said to you, hey, I'm going to come, you know, uh, why don't you come over to my house and we'll, we'll, we'll have hummus. And, uh, uh, okay, I guess, you know, like, I'm Daisy, we don't have hummus a lot, but like maybe people, someone from Sham, you know, so I'm, I'm into trying new things. So you go to their house and then, and then uh, the guy like lights up a blunt and starts smoking weed, right? So what are you doing? It's like, I'm having hummus. Would you like to have some hummus? At that point, hummus is haram, isn't it? Does the fact that you called it something halal change that reality? Absolutely not. So, okay, fine. They call us religion is causing all these wars and you have religion and we've moved on. From, you have your religion as well. So, if you want to talk about whose religion is, you know, describes reality better, we can do that in a civil way, not in a combative way. We can do that in a civil way. And if you want to say, okay, we believe in freedom of religion, then get off my back. Leave me alone. So you have what? You have ibadat is number one, aqaid is number two, right? Number three is uh, tazkiyah, which is what? Which is the, right, we talked about the body, the, 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 sorry, the ritual practice of Islam. And then we talked about the, how the Islam is practiced in the mind. The mind is a spiritual organ, not a physical one. It's not, there's a difference between your brain and your mind. Your brain is very similar to the brain of a chimpanzee. Uh, but if your mind was similar to the mind of a chimpanzee, then you would be locked up in an asylum right now. They wouldn't let you walk around and, you know, deal with people. So people say, you know, like, look, we're just, we're really near relatives of apes. Evolutionarily, that may, this, it may make some sense in some, so, some way or another. But spiritually, it's completely like, it's not, it doesn't really take you very far. 
So what? So you have the, 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 uh, in the mind. Now you have the, the spiritual heart, right? The, the Quran talks about the heart. That the day of judgment is a day that a person won't be benefited by money, right? Because you can't live in it or eat it here. So how are you going to live in it or eat it over there, right? That the days you're not going to benefit from your money nor from the, how, however many children you have. The only thing that will benefit you is an upright heart. It's not talking about your cardiovascular health. So I read this thing about the only thing, Qalb Salim, the upright heart is the only thing that's going to help me the day of judgment. So I'm going to, instead of sitting in this uh, talk, you know, where this crazy guy from God knows where is saying all this stuff. He isn't, he's not even talking about marriage yet, right? And I'm going to go, I'm going to go across the, the way and just start doing some cardio, right? That's what cardio means, like, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's, it has to do with the heart, right? I mean, my cardiovascular health. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up my cardio because the Quran says that you need a good heart to make it on the Day of Judgment. This is the spiritual heart. It is the seat of, the seat of intentions, where intentions are made uh, with a person in their spiritual apparatus. Just like the mind is a spiritual center of processing information, the heart is what? The, the, the seat of intention in a person's spiritual makeup. That seed of intention has to be rectified, otherwise the person's faith is not going to be accepted on the Day of Judgment. The, the science of doing that is what? Is tazkiyah. Who here has done calculus homework while working out? Nobody? Really? Imagine if you were to do your calculus homework while working out. Could someone think of a potential like suboptimality regarding that scenario? Anyone, raise your hand. You're all smart people, you're in university, right? You didn't go to like a, a, a backwards and medieval education like I did, right? So tell me, what, what's the pro what would be a problem with like doing calculus homework while trying to lift weights or do cardio or like play, play basketball? Yeah? Why would you get hurt, why would you fall off? Because you're not concentrating. Because you're not concentrating, because it's a distraction, okay? It's a distraction. This is another bid'ah we put into our deen. I have to understand everything. Who said you have to understand everything? There are certain parts of the deen that are there to train your heart. Certain parts of the deen are there to what? To train your what? Your heart. If you're trying to constantly, I'm going to understand everything in the universe while, uh, uh, while I have like the sibha and I'm saying, La ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. What's going to happen? Is your heart going to get trained? No, because your spirit is distracted by the mind. Does this mean you should never use your mind ever again? No. It just means while you're doing your zikr, while you're reading the Quran, shut that part down so that you can focus on something else. Why? Because if you're distracted, you're not getting any benefit out of it. This age we live in, because it's an age that completely denies, it's a reductionist and empiricist age. It denies that a person, that spiritual things exist in the first place. There are people who say psychology, what does psychology mean, right? Psyche in Greek means uh, nafs, it means like a soul, right? So the psychology originally was the study of the soul, the study of something spiritual. But now there is a trend within psychology, not all psychologists are like this, but there's a trend within psychology, it's just like, it's just an intersection of biochemistry and like electrical engineering, the way that nerves fire inside the head. Theoretically, one day we could get to the point where you could hard determine, you could completely call how a person will react to some situation or another because all of these things they unfold through very logical and predictable uh, chemical reactions uh, uh, electrochemistry that goes through the nervous system and all these endocrine responses to stimuli and whatever right so 
Okay, we don't believe that. We believe there's something that's, that's driving all of these things that's not physical as well. One of the problems is though that people, they, they suffer from these, uh, uh, from these kind of like psychological conditions and illnesses. And guess what? When you go to the, to the shrink, even if he's not a Muslim and even if he doesn't have a beard or she doesn't wear hijab, what do they tell people to do oftentimes as a, a form of therapy? Not all the time, but sometimes what do they prescribe? Meditation, reflection. Right, go do yoga, go say om, right? You know, the, the, one, of the, one of the most renowned yogi masters in India, he, he makes his Muslim, his Muslim disciples, they say, don't say om while you're doing your yoga, say Allah, Allah. He makes the Muslims and the Christians say Allah, Allah. Some of the Christian disciples, they say, well, can't we just say God? He said, no, that's not, that you're not going to get the same thing, say Allah. <laughs> okay it's also a name of uh, it's also a name of god in the in the in the bible as well but at any rate the point is is what you need to be able to train that if you don't if you if you don't train it and if you're constantly distracted by other things uh and you don't train your heart you're gonna have a problem in the hereafter and as a human being you won't be whole again okay so we got to three what's the fourth one al-mu'amalat how are your transactions conducted you cannot, you cannot, I repeat this, you cannot, and people say, oh, you just came to Detroit and you're picking on us now. It's not, I wish it was just Detroit. It's like the whole country. You cannot run a liquor store and then afterward have a beard and a hijab and like feel like you're practicing Islam okay. I'm not saying you're not a Muslim, but I'm saying something really wrong. You have to transact in, in a way that is in harmony with our sacred sharia. Not to rag on other people too much, mashallah, all of you here are educated or are getting educated. Allah Ta'ala will give you the means to, inshallah, easily make an a, a, a honorable living and feed your family without having to be tested with having to think of like, I have to do something haram in order to make my money. Some people do it out of, not out of, uh, uh, out of uh, choice, but out of necessity. And then there's like a gradient in the middle, right? So someone might be like, 80% wrong, but 20% it was necessity. Allah knows best. So we're not here to say this to judge other people, but the point is, for our own understanding, we have to understand what's right. And for our own practice, we have to understand what's right. And understanding what's right, in and of itself, is the first step on the path of doing what's right. If you do what's right without understanding it, it's not right with Allah Ta'ala. And if you do what's wrong, knowing it's wrong, then the door of, 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 of repentance is much closer to you, and the door of tawfiq to change your life is much closer to you. Uh, uh, it's, it's within grasp. So what, what's number four? Your mu'amalat, the way you do your transactions. Don't transact in riba, don't transact in, in usury, don't, don't sell things that harm people, buy, sell things that harm people, don't transact with people, make your money by uh, uh, lying to people or even by, uh, um, by, by, by fooling people or by deceiving people, all of these types of things. That, you know, we can't talk about the whole thing right now, we don't have time. And then number five is what? Is the mu'asharat, the social, social relationships of Islam. The social relationships of Islam. This is a complete branch of learning of deen. The bid'ah that I was referring to in the beginning was what? The bid'ah of this age is that we have limited Islam to what? To just your ritual practice. Why? Because the society around us tells us that quote-unquote religion doesn't have a place in the public sphere. So you will see that people treat religion as what? As only your own ritual practice, which is, that's a really important part of religion, admittedly. And some people maybe will say that this is, that aqaid, your own belief, is somewhat a part of it. 
but people do not treat the other branches of religion as they are as important as the as the first one one and a half maybe now this is a lot of setup to make this point which is what rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said what that 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 marriage is half of your deen and for the other half then you should fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this mean marriage is important or unimportant Does this mean it's important or unimportant? It's important, right? To the point where almost, you know, we'll say that someone who says it's not important, it's like kufr. It's like, like having disbelieved in the thing that Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam came with. Obviously, I'm not saying this because, well, Shaykh, my roommate is like, no, I'm putting off religion. He's a kafir. No, I mean, there's a difference. Certain things are kufr, but then you look behind what's the intention and things like that. There's a difference between a, 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 a erroneous or wrong belief being kufr and the person who holds it being a kafir. This is a, you should, you know, inshallah, take a aqidah class with Shaykh Ishtiaq, he'll explain it more to you, right? But the idea is that it's a very severe, it's a very severe uh, uh, infraction of the deen. It's a, an infraction of a class that's higher than, than sin. Right? Kufr is always an infraction that's higher than sin. So a person, for example, what if a person robbed a liquor store? Is that good or bad? It's, it's bad. Okay? What if they did it like a thousand times? It's bad. But to not believe in God is more immoral than, than, than that. To not believe in God is more immoral than that. We may even have a law, we may actually punish physically the person who robs the liquor store once or twice harder than we'll punish the, the, the person who doesn't believe in God. Though such a person may not be punished at all, in fact. The Sharia may dictate that they be left in this world alone and not, not punished at all. In, in many circumstances, that's what the dictator of the Sharia is. There are many, many people who uh, lived their lives, not, not now, but during the like, height of like, Sunni theocracy over like, more than half of the civilized world. They were born and they died. They never believed in anything and openly and they were left alone. And the Sharia doesn't say to do anything with them. But as, an, as a level of immorality, it's, it's qualitatively in a different bracket than, than sin. Okay? So why is, it that we, why is it that we have thought about praying and fasting as being a sign of religiosity, but uh, we've thought about marriage uh, uh, as not being important, even though we realize it's something that's really important? Uh, this is something, the question, the answer for which is going to involve some sort of analysis of, of, of socio-political history. This mural is also uh, related to it. I don't want to get into it right now, though. But... The, you know that analysis. I think for the point of MSA, um, it's something that should happen, but it may not be the most important thing to talk about right now. What we should talk about right now is this: is there's this thing that you have been commanded by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to do. It's a hadith. It's masnoon to be read in the in the in the khutbatul uh, nikah that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "An nikah min sunnati." That the nikah is from my sunnati. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَمَنْ رَغِبَ عَنْ سُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي The one who turns his back on my sunnah, the one who turns her back on my sunnah, he's not, he's not from us. He's not from me, literally. What does that mean? Here in this world, it may not mean like a, a big deal. It may mean like you're not going to get invited to as many Eid parties. In fact, you might still get invited to the Eid parties. 
But in the hereafter, when the shafa'ah of the Prophet ﷺ is the only key to enter Jannah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really big problem. It's a significant problem. So if something is important, you plan for it, right? When did you, when did you submit your uh, application to go to university? When? Huh? In November before the year you went to the university, which means that you had to actually write the application even earlier than that, like maybe September or so. Don't shake your heads. You guys all did it at the last minute, I know. <laughs> Probably sisters, you guys did yours on time and early and all that stuff, right? So you have to be, you have to be, you have to be, uh, okay, sisters, be honest. Any slackers did it last minute? No. Okay. So you have to plan for it, right? At least by September, you have to have the thing in your hand or download the PDF or whatever. You have to get letters of reference and all of that other stuff. Just to know where you want to apply to, then you have to, before that, you have to think about where do I want to go? Am I going to apply for Harvard? I don't really have a shot to get in, so I don't want to like, blow $100 on the application fee. Or maybe I have a shot to get in, so I do want to blow $100 on the application fee. Where am I going to get $100 from for the application fee? All these things, you have to think about them from beforehand. The choice of your university requires you to think from before that as to what you want to study Someone said, well, I didn't know what I wanted to study. I just found out like last week I switched my major. Well, even the idea that you're, you don't know what you want to study will dictate that you make a different choice of a university. You're not going to go to an engineering university if you, you, know, you might not want to be an engineer. You might want to uh, you know, do your PhD in like modern interpretive dance. Then don't apply to MIT or Caltech, right? Then Wayne State may be better because there's at least an option that you can you know, jump ship or switch tracks in the middle. You have to think of everything from beforehand. This is a commandment of deen as well. This is a commandment of deen. One would think it's common sense, but common sense is not that common. Ya Oh, you believe? Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and look for what you, you know, look, plan for what, what you want tomorrow. Plan, let every soul look to its, what, it, what is it going to do? What is it going to earn for itself tomorrow? That doesn't mean just the hereafter. Although that's like, the greatest meaning of it, but the, the ayat of the Quran have meanings on different levels. It also means like the tomorrow, like the uh, Tuesday tomorrow as well. It also means like this is two forty. What are you going to be doing at three forty? You have to think about these things. So why is it that ilam and almost nobody has any plan with regards to how are they going to get? What are they going to do with with marriage? With this thing, which is such an important thing, that it's uh, such an important thing that it's equated with taqwa, with the fear of God. And it's, it's called half of the deen. And literally commandments, the sirah, siratul amr, is used for it. The, 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 the grammatical part of speech, the, the imperative uh, uh, command form, the imperative form is used in both the kitab and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam warned the people of the ummah that whoever turns away from my sunnah, that person is not from me. This is, this is, a, this is a problem. This is a, uh, a, a, a somewhat of a shortcoming uh, indeed, and it's not entirely your fault, and it's not entirely the fault of of, of your elders either. It's a trend that, that that human society has gone through. But look, we have a choice. We can either live our lives according to what dictates other people, designs other people have, and the outcomes will be in their favor because they're the ones who designed it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody else is looking out for your own for your, for your benefit. Nobody. 
the only person who's looking out for your benefit is somebody is a nabi or somebody who has 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 their conduct dictated to them by a nabi right because that type of behavior is not behavior from this world even parents of children that are looking out for their own children right anyone who's taken uh, uh, evolutionary biology they know right they're just trying to propagate their own genes so they have this kind of feeling of like okay this is my kid i should probably do something for it you know so uh, you know a person statistically i don't know any sociology majors here don't admit it in front of anybody else if you are, right? right? You statistically, you can carry out a study and see like people who rob liquor stores, what's the incidence of them robbing their father's liquor store versus someone else's liquor store? I don't know. You're not gonna, you, it doesn't happen a whole lot, but the motives are very different, right? With us, we have to learn to, we have to learn to what? Say it's okay, I'm gonna do something different. Why? Because this different thing is more in line with the outcomes that I desire in life and more in line with what I want to do with myself. So, okay, have I, like, I'm like a used car salesman. Have I sold people on the idea that it's important that you should get married, right? It's not only import, an important choice. I, I, I'm telling you it's a more important choice than the career choice that you're making. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. what was his commandment? His commandment was that a woman, anyone who is like, anyone who is of sound thought and of, of, has some wisdom inside of them, they should say that a, a, a woman, what? Let them sit on the floor, inshallah. Some of them is good for them, inshallah. Uh, if someone like, yeah, if someone needs to, if your legs are hurt, then you can sit up. Oh, mashallah, sheikh, I forgot. Yes, that's good. Barakallah fikunna, mashallah. Brothers, you could learn some adab, mashallah. Although in the front, there's no way you could have known he was here, mashallah. So the idea is what? The idea is that you have to choose somebody. You have to choose somebody to get married to. That's kind of important, who you marry. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said what? Tunkaf al-mar'atu li-arba'in. That a woman is to be married for four, for four reasons. Which is what? Because the reason this is the, the reason it's like this because some sisters say, well, how come it's the only the men are being uh, 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 addressed and things like that? This is a this is the mode of speech of the Arabs. The meaning of it you take is the meaning that you take from it is uh, uh, more than just the literal wording. Right? People shouldn't hang up, get themselves hanged up, hung up on, on 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 wordings, but they should focus in on realities. Sometimes the way things are worded also betrays some reality as well. So it's okay to understand that too. But like we said, if someone's idea of eating hummus is to light up a, a blunt and smoke it, then it's still haram. And you can't be like, well, but hummus is halal. All the ulama say hummus is halal. That's not your, you're fixating on, on, on a distraction. You should fixate on the, the thing that, that, that's actually you're gonna under, that you're going to get understanding from. So why, what are the four reasons, what are the four reasons mentioned in the hadith to, to look for a wife? For her beauty. Ah, mashallah, mashallah. Brothers are, don't need a lecture regarding this. Okay? Except for, except for to say, except for to say, people's Facebook profiles are usually extremely flattering pictures from a long time ago and possibly altered digitally. Don't fixate on it. The second thing is what? A, 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 a woman's wealth. The third is a woman's what? A nasab, her lineage. 
This is a small side point that's not directly related to what we're talking about, but I want you to uh, uh, notice that the word nasab is, 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 uh, uh, is mentioned, the word lineage is mentioned. In Islam, we have lineage, we don't have race. The Arabs, I don't know of a, a word for race that means what we think it to mean like in America nowadays, like so-and-so is black, so-and-so is white, so-and-so is Asian. Like, okay, yeah, like everybody except for like maybe like 80% like of people are Asian or something like that. What, what does that mean? What does it not mean? I propose it doesn't really mean anything at all whatsoever. So nasab doesn't mean skin color. It means your lineage. So someone who is a sharifun nasab, somebody who has a, you know, is a de descendant of, uh, of, of whatever, of the Prophet wasallam. even if they're black, their nasab is considered to be, have a certain station. Uh, and a person who's, uh, uh, you know, whatever their skin color is, uh, if, you know, their nasab is unknown, then it's unknown, or whatever grad gradations you could have in the middle between them. And no nasab is considered to be, no nasab is considered to be bad, even though some ansab have, have certain virtues in them. It's, you're allowed to marry someone because of their nasab. And the fourth is what, right? But you're not allowed, you're, you're, just to pick on race or whatever, it doesn't make any sense. Actually, according to, the, according to the, uh, um, the way that they classified race and the racial theory that, like, that they, they came up with uh, in this country, I'm actually, according to this racial theory, I'm actually Caucasian, I'm actually white. So go figure how much sense does that make, okay? Uh, um, so, so you, Muhammad, you're Sudanese, you're white. Because Arabs in the original in the original ethnic makeup, this is actually the the court system in America has litigated this, that Arabs are white. There's like Syrians who immigrated early on in the 1800s to this country, and at a time when there was uh, laws, exclusionary laws for citizenship for uh, people of other races, foreigners of other races, the courts have actually litigated that Arabs are, are in, in this country that Arabs are white, and you, my friend, are an Arab, and you are white. Raise your hand. You're white, okay? MashaAllah. It makes no sense. This is part of the tahafut, right? That's why racism is, is what? It's, 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 if any place something similar to racism exists in the, the, the deen as a concept, it's what? Shaitan said about Sayyidina Adam I'm better than him. You created me from fire and you created him from, from, from dirt. Because a very surface level observation. It's, it doesn't really mean much more than, 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 than something very surface, very cursely just scratching the surface. Uh, uh, that's all it is. So these three, these three, and then the fourth, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned is the deen. فَلِنِّسْفِ الْآخِرِ فَاتَّقِ اللَّهِ Sorry, no, no, no. فَاذْفَرْ بِذَاتِ الدِّينِ تَرِبَتْ يَدَاكِ And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, says, after having said these four things a person might want to marry someone for. He says, you'll be successful. You'll be successful by picking the one who has deen. May your hands turn to dust. Which doesn't mean Rasulullah is making dua that your hands turn to dust. But it was, it was an expression amongst the Arabs that caught people's attention. Um, we have expressions like that in English as well. Right? Uh, someone's like, you know, do you want coffee or do you want green tea? And if Hamza says, green tea, damn it. Does it mean that I would like to curse the green tea? That doesn't make any sense at all. Because if I curse it, I'm going to drink it. Then the curse, that's, that's not, that's not what, it's, what it means. It's a figure of speech, meaning like pay attention to what I just said. Okay? Out of these four things that a reasonable person would like to pick a spouse because of these four things are prime from them. 
okay? For example, if you're like, you know, there's two girls that I wanted to marry, but one of them was born on Tuesday and the other one wasn't, you'd be like, you're a moron, like, you're going to pick based on, has nothing to do with anything, right? So what is it, these four things, and the sisters also should look for these four things in a, in a man, or would be forgiven for living, looking at these four things in the man uh, that they want to marry, but there's a little bit of a, an addendum that I'd like to add to it in a minute. But the idea is what? The idea is out of these four things, which is the only one that really matters? It's Dean. Now, let me explain myself slightly. The first three considerations that Rasulullah mentions, these are pass-fail indicators. The way that a, a woman looks, if you find it attractive, khalas, it's a pass. If you shudder, out of like, you know, like some sort of like, like involuntary reaction, maybe it's not going to work out. Okay? But, what is the difference between, what is the difference between uh, you marrying a woman who is like, she, she, she looks like a normal woman of the qawm, or of the, of the, of the, of like what, the person that you see, and you're attracted to her, and the woman who is like the super, like Miss Michigan, was the difference between, not that you should be watching these things, right? I heard about, someone told me about this, okay? That, or what's the difference between the Miss Michigan and the Miss USA? Is there any difference functionally? No, not at all. The gradations, even if a person were to say that there's some gradation in beauty, all of that breaks down. Anyone who's married will tell you that after some people, it's like after a month, if you're like really pious, you're real spiritual, some people like literally like after a week, they stop engaging with the person based on their physical looks. And what do they engage with? They engage with the personality. How many a time, reflect over your own lives. How many a time, even in, in that sense, because mashallah, most MSA kids have not experienced the whatever, the act of making love, for lack of a better way of saying it. Even in just regular people, how many a time have you met a person who physically looks awkward but because of their good akhlaq, they actually, that person who you almost didn't want to look at in the beginning, they become beautiful to you. Even if it's another brother, right? Not in that way, but you know, you understand what I'm saying, right? Even if it's another sister, you see someone and like, you know, like I, I one, of my, one of my best friends uh, and one of the people that I, I love the most in this world, mashallah. He's a brother, he has one eye, he has a glass eye. It's really strange, like when you look at first, you're like, what's wrong with this guy, right? Uh, uh, because the person's eyes has a lot to, not to stuff, I'm not trying to say anything bad, but I'm just shamefully sharing like how immature I, I was when I first saw him, okay? That what, that like, you're like wondering what's going on, and then you kind of like out of the corner of your eye stare because you don't want to be rude or whatever. And what, The person is, mashallah, every single thing about the person is beautiful. Now when I see him, he looks beautiful to me, right? Obviously, he grow up and stuff, but you know, this is another thing. In, in, in Muslim culture, it's permissible for a man to say, I love another man, or that another man is beautiful. And people understand that, that, that you're not talking about sexual attraction. For some reason, and this is the idea of reductionism, which is what? There is a spiritual reality in human beings. You're not just physical stuff, okay? The fact that you love someone, you can love a person without it having to be sexual all the time. And so, uh, you know, this is a person I, I have a lot of love for, right? You, it's awkward. Who here has been to the like, Muslim world before, right? It's awkward. You see like one guy holding hands with another guy walking down the street. At first, I'm like looking away like I can't. 
I can't deal with it. I'm like, why are they doing this? This is ridiculous. Someone tries to grab me, get your hand off my, get, you know, you know, like, what is this, right? And like, it's out of, what, you know, you're, you're just, and then afterward, when you live for such a long time, maybe if you met somebody who was that wonderful, you know, if you met somebody who was spiritually such a pure person or had so much love for you, maybe you would love them also. Maybe you wouldn't mind putting your hand in their hand. When you live in a society where everybody's just looking out for themselves, and where everybody, like, you know, the, 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 everybody when they go to lunch, they split the check, nobody has any love for another person, then maybe you could understand, like, why is this guy trying to touch my hand? But if you met somebody who was, uh, has such a beautiful character, maybe you'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that, putting my hand in this person's hand, right? So the idea is that even people know with people of the same gender or someone of the opposite gender for that matter, that after some time, you stop seeing the person physically and you have the, the character of the person. And that's what you're stuck with for life. You'll never stop seeing that. How many a time have you seen a person who's physically a beautiful person or a handsome person, but because of their bad akhlaq, that person has just, you just get annoyed every time you see them. You just increase, the beauty that they have makes you increase in anger. Makes you even more annoyed with that person. Makes you hate that person even more. This is what's meant by it being a pass-fail indicator because you're not going to be stuck with it forever, right? What does it matter, for example, if, if, you, if you marry somebody who uh, makes uh, uh, $70,000 a year and you marry another person who makes what? $100,000 a year. What is the difference in your quality of life? You'll drive a Avalon instead of a Camry. You'll drive a Lexus instead of a Toyota. Look, I'm the first person who said, okay, it'd be pretty neat to drive around in a Tesla and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that's not what's going to make you happy. And if you think it's going to make you happy, you're probably going to end up killing yourself one day. Why? Because you'll get, you'll get that thing and you'll realize that it doesn't make you happy. And then you'll be like, oh my God, there's nothing left for me in this world. I'm not joking. It's not funny. I mean, there are people who literally this happens to them. Uh, um, that's why like ultra rich people oftentimes their, their deaths are so tragic because they just work so hard in order to find happiness and they keep going harder and harder and harder. Regular people, they realize that money is not going to make you happy much earlier on. And those people, they just keep at it for so long. And then, you know, by the time they make that realization, it's too far gone. They can't do anything else with their life. They realize my whole personality is geared toward just making money. I don't know how to make friends. I don't know how to love another person. I don't know how to, all this other stuff. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to fast. I, I made dhikr and it was horrible. And, like, and they just give up hope at that point. Even though a person should never give up hope, there's always hope. Uh, the hope, if you put it in yourself, then we should all give up right now. If the hope you put in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's the one who can create something from nothing and His mercy is, 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 is vastness is unknowable. Uh, so no one should ever, but that's what happens, right? So there's what? There's your, there's your looks, there's your money, there's your nasab. The nasab is a very interesting, interesting discussion. Um, and that discussion is what? Is that we have this idea in, uh, in Islam that, that you have indicators for people who are suitable match for one another in marriage. Okay, for example, if you're a janitor and there's like a princess of like Denmark, okay, Denmark's a nice country. Anyone been to Denmark before? They still have a real family. Mashallah, it's a nice. People are nice there, right? So you're a janitor and you and the, the princess of Denmark fall in love and you guys get married, okay? 
your, the, the, the princess's parents can go to the Qadi and object like, what kind of marriage is this? We, I want to have this marriage annulled. Why? There's a very reasonable consideration, which is what? That the janitor is not going to be able to provide her the things that she's accustomed to. And that adjustment is going to be very difficult for her to make. And it may in and of itself break the marriage uh, and cause uh, other types of irreparable harm. Right? So it doesn't mean that one person is worth more in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala than the others. It's a very, than the other. It's just a very practical consideration. There's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama as to whether lineage has, has any consideration in, uh, legally in marriage. That is there any, any such thing? We say that you can marry someone because you like their lineage, but is there any such thing as an inappropriate match based on lineage? Is there kafa'a in, in, in nasab? That, is there such a thing as an inappropriate match in lineage? The opinion of Malik and a majority of the Hanafis is that, that, that there's no such thing. That what? That there's no such thing. And what is the dalil? What is the dalil that they use, right? The adillah are very interesting. Um, the custom of the people of Quraysh was that they would marry within Quraysh. That doesn't necessarily mean though that it's, uh, that, that it's like something that's a, a law of sharia. So there's an investigation between the fuqaha. Does this mean that this is a law of our sharia or does it mean that it's, uh, uh, it's uh, uh, just a, a custom they had, a habit, a cultural habit that they had, which was permissible as long as they're happy, but you don't enforce it on other people. The people who had the, the latter point of view, um, they, they look at the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The one who is slow to doing good deeds, the one who is slow, slow to doing good deeds, that one, uh, their lineage is not going to speed them up. It's not going to make up the gap for them. The idea being what? If you're the son of some great person or some great wali of Allah or great scholar or a rich person or of a king or of whatever, right? You will probably receive, right, as your portion of their genes and as your portion of their culture and as your portion of being raised by them, something. But if you don't put it to good use, it's completely useless. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a person can marry uh, another for their lineage, that's great. But if they don't do anything with it, then there's no point. Then the, the functional part of what they wanted from that lineage, they're not, they're not going to get. This is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, فَضْفَرْ بِذَاتِ deen. You'll be successful with the one who has deen. Why? Because those things the money can't do, the deen will do. Money doesn't keep you happy. If you marry someone who makes $100,000 a, a year or $700,000 a year or a million dollars a year, and he's, he, he's a jerk. He has no human kindness in him whatsoever. Everything he says is just, just off-putting. It's, you, even the million dollars, you can spend it so much, you're still not going to find happiness in it. I've seen people like this. I've seen couples like this. As a child, I've observed these types of marriages in, 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 amongst family and amongst relatives and friends and things like that. It doesn't, there's really no khair in it whatsoever. Those people live the most miserable of lives. Again, you marry someone who's good looking or someone who's handsome, but again, they don't have that, that, that human kindness inside of them. What are you going to do, right? You could marry, you can marry whatever, you, mar you can marry like the, 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 whatever, one of the royal princes of, of, of some whatever country. If you never see them, you never spend time with them, you never receive a kind word from any, what's the point of it? Now again, how much planning have we done for any of this? 
at almost absolutely none. Now for the sisters, the addendum is what? Is that the fuqaha say that the, the indicator that the sisters should look at with regards to deen, specifically, is a quality called taqwa, which is the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And there's a difference, like somebody might be like a hafiz of Qur'an, they may have memorized Sahih Bukhari, they may be like the most brilliant legal mind, they may be the person who donates the most money to the masjid, they may be the person who is like the help, quickest to help uh, someone in need, they may be, uh, you know, they may have a lot of qualities that are deemed to be religious qualities, but why specifically taqwa? Because what? Because there is a position, uh, there's a position that once a, a woman marries a man, there's a position of submission that she's in. Whether, she, whether, whether modern sensibility allows us to admit it or not. That when a woman marries a man, she submits to him in some, some way, shape, or form. And when a person submits to another, you have to trust them. And generally speaking, we have this idea in, in Western culture, at least, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. In Islam, we don't have this idea. The idea is that if somebody, their, their, their heart is not right and their mind is not right, that person, when you give them absolute power, you'll see who they really are. But a person who's trained themselves, restrained themselves, wakes up for fajr, can stop themselves from eating the haram, from looking at the haram, from doing all these things, that person, there's a good chance the more power you give that person, the, the, the more you'll see how wonderful a person that, is, that person is. And the Rasulullah ruled with absolute power and he's a wonderful person. The Khulafa Rashidun ruled with absolute power and, and they were like that as well. And we have a history of people who have that, not only in government, but people who, who uh, uh, were given significant amounts of trust and authority and they wielded it to make results better than, than, than could have been made otherwise. So you should look for a person, the person who can stop themselves when their nafs tells them to do something, when they're angry, that they, when they're angry at you or they want to say something hurtful to you. This is an interesting thing in the Sharia and the law of uh, marriage and families. Abuse, abuse is haram and abuse is not just physical abuse, it's verbal abuse as well. If a man, for example, punches his wife, Billah, and she comes to the Qadi, the judge with a black eye, right? he can annul the marriage on her behalf. It's a, it's a, and it's a crime against the, the husband. That much we'd be like, that's common sense. If we didn't have that, it would be barbaric, right? Well, guess what? If a, if a wife comes and proves to the judge, this man curses me every day. He uses foul language against me every day. He says, you're a slob. He says, you're ugly. He says, your father is like this. Your mother is like this. Your family is like this. You, uh, you, you know, you're this thing. You're that thing. This is verbal abuse. This is in the same, uh, this is in the same bracket of offenses as physical abuse. This is, this is important to understand. Sometimes, sometimes in a fit of anger, uh, 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 even though it's not acceptable or tolerable uh, in any way, shape, or form, but it's possible that a man may uh, uh, strike uh, uh, his wife. And afterward, he learns a lesson from it, and the, the two of them make up from it, and the damage from that will be repaired. And it's possible that a man may say something to his wife, that's so hurtful, she'll never forget it. She'll never forget it, and it will cause her more damage in this world than, than, than physical abuse. Again, understand what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that physical abuse isn't any way tolerable or acceptable or should be slipped under the rug and not talked about or that a woman who suffered that abuse shouldn't be helped or any of that stuff. I'm just saying as a theoretical concept, the things that you say to each other, the way that you behave and say doesn't just mean words. It can be not words, not 
he hasn't talked to me for like for six months. He comes and goes from the house. He never spoke to me. This is a type of abuse that if it uh, appears in front of the judge, if she, she asks the judge, he can annul the marriage just based on that alone. So what should a, what should a sister look for specifically? The, the, the characteristic that she should look for in Deen is what? Taqwa. That, that, that right now we're in love and everything is wonderful. What happens, what happens the day that he's annoyed with me? What happens the day that I'm annoyed with him and I say something to him that I shouldn't have said? How is he going to react to it? What happens the day that, that, that you know, everything is not amazing anymore? What happens the day we go over to like my in-law's house or, or he comes over to my parents' house and my parents cuss him out? Is he going to take revenge from me? What's going to happen? These things, these things are all very normal scenarios. These things are part of life, right? You guys, mashallah... It's such a long journey. One day you'll know the magic of in-laws. <laughs> My in-laws are wonderful people, but there's some baraka, strange baraka in this uh, relationship that makes it just super uh, special and different. Mashallah. <laughs> right? So, like, w- what happens? That you have to, you have to look for, you have to look for, for, for those things. Okay. All of these things they have to do with, they have to do with uh, seeking out a, a suitable match. This doesn't have anything to do with what, how, are, how are your children going to be. It's a hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the son of Adam when he dies, all of his uh, deeds will be done except for, his good deeds will be done except for three. One of which is what? Your pious children. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said what? He said, he said, he said, he said, تَزَوَّجٌ وَدُودًا وَلُودٌ فَإِنِّي مُكَافِرٌ بِكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Marry, marry, marry the woman who, uh, 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 that you, you're in love with, that you love. Not just like before you get married and you're WhatsApping each other. But like that you, that you love for the rest of your life. And she'll love you as well. Al-Walud, the one who will bury you, uh, uh, children. فَإِنِّي مُكَاثِرٌ بِكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ I will be, it will be a source of pride and happiness for me to see the size, how big my ummah is on the Day of Judgment. Now, uh, this is, obviously this is like a very non- Western liberal, uh, 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 you know, uh, positive thing because people are like overwhelmed with fear of overpopulation. Okay, this also has to do with the philosophy of modernism. Now, tell me something: Is there actually not enough food to feed everybody in, in the world? There's like double, triple as much. There's enough food just from what we throw in the garbage to like feed the entire humanity two, three times over. This is another problem with, or not problem, but another uh, peculiarity, if you will. And then I'll let you decide if it's a problem or not. This is another peculiarity of, of the modern, uh, you know, the modernist worldview. Modernism doesn't mean like, it's a, t- it's a philosophy. It doesn't mean like living in 2017. Even if I was in a caveman, it doesn't mean that I traveled back in time. I'm still living today, right? Uh, the, the, the idea that somehow technology will solve all of our, all of our problems, Okay. But increasing technology, efficiency, all these things will solve our problems. So we have a lot of efficiency in agriculture, don't we, right? Are people still starving to death? Yes. Do you think if we double our, 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 our technological efficiency in producing food that people will stop starving to death? They used to believe that at a time. Some people still believe that. Do you think if we genetically modify all our foods to like yield crops like you know, 10 times a year instead of once a year and like you know, we genetically engineer like a, you know, a type of like bio meat that doesn't involve killing animals and it costs like two cents a pound and after eating it, like you shoot rainbows out of your eyes. You think that's gonna solve any, anything in the world? No, people are still gonna starve to death. 
Why? Because the problem, this is, this is at least my opinion, you can evaluate it on, on whatever merit you may or not, may not think it has. It's the problems in the hearts, it's not in, the, it's not in physical things. There's still homeless people, even though we can manufacture homes much cheaper than we were able to from before. But, you know, on the whole, technology is wonderful, right? It's only done good for us, right? The, 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 the matan that all, all of algebra, you know, algebra one that you read, not all of it, but a great amount of it is based on, it's the Kharizmi's matan, just like Euclid is the father of geometry. Kharizmi's matan is basically, they just rehash it and make math books out of it, right? Um, it's, it was the Muqaddimah, he starts the book off, imagine the math book is started, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, it starts with the khutbah, and then afterward he said, I wanted to give people the tools they needed to be able to do complex uh, problems uh, for solving inheritance, for solving, uh, for, solving for Sharia law, that's what, for, for what, for inheritance problems in Sharia law, right? They should, they should put a ban on algebra, right? Um, well, do you, need to, uh, do you need to know algebra in order to make a nuclear bomb? Yeah. That technology was really amazing, wasn't it? What kind of weird... Must have been eating pork for like 10 years straight, 40 years straight. Uh, uh, disgusting, hasn't made ghusl for the last 40 years. Satanic, messed up mind came up with the idea that, yeah, we're going to make this thing. We'll split. There must be a lot of energy in the atoms and blah, blah, blah. And uranium, we can spin down the thing. And, and it'll kill the women and children. It'll be amazing. What kind of weird person would come up with that? Right? Would think about that. The problem is not in the technology. I'm not anti-technology, right? Mashallah, I have phone too, Mashallah. I Twitter, I put Twitter at Wayne State MSA. You know, it'll be awesome, LOL, hashtag, amazing, right? I did all that too, right? But the idea is the problem is not in the technology or lack thereof for that matter. It's where? Where's the locus of the problem? It's in the, it's in the hearts. So the person, anyway, coming back to coming back to what we're uh, uh, what we're talking about from before, is that the, the 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 idea of having a lot of children is not palatable to people. Why? Because you know the world is suffering from overpopulation. Every new person is going to consume this much more. Every new person is going to do this much more uh, uh, garbage. It's going to lead to this much more greenhouse gases, which is going to lead to more global warming. Entire nations of the earth will be submerged in water afterward. Then we're going to be, uh, you know, uh, whatever. It's going to. This is going to become the desert. Everyone's going to have to move to uh, Alaska. And who wants to move to Alaska? And like all this other stuff, right? Uh, okay. Those things on, you know, those considerations, if you look at them, let's temper them with some sort of like uh, uh, an objective viewpoint, okay? I agree. If you, don't, if you don't have the means to feed yourself and your country is going through a famine, having 10 kids may not be like, from a planning perspective, the greatest idea. And that's okay. It's okay to, under, to think about that, right? On the flip side, on the flip side, system-wide ac across all of humanity, the problem is not that we have too many people. The problem is what? is that we're greedy and we're like racist and we make a line in the ground and if you're born on that side of the line you're a Mexican if you're born on that side of the line you're an American and somehow this this is aqidah this is magical aqidah right just like the person who thinks about the fish flopping around in the sky and whatever this is also the, the fish of modernity flopping around in the sky that you think that actually makes a difference that even Muslims even Muslim, Muslims are the Except for, except for the one who Allah Ta'ala enlightens their hearts. They're the dumbest of them all. This side of the line is Jordan. 
This side of the line is Palestine. This side of the line is uh, Iraq. This side of the line is uh, 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 Turkey. This side of the line is Egypt. Uh, and like this side of the line is Gaza. This side of the line, you're Indian and you're Pakistani. They see people, come on, like really? We will literally, we've seen uncles cuss out each, you're the same damn people, man. You're the same people. Okay, do you eat roti? Yes, you're desi. You're not no different. Bangladesh won't talk to a Pakistani uncle. Pakistani uncle won't talk to them because of partition 1971. God knows things in a distant land that people that like we never even met did to each other. And like, wh what is that, right? So yeah, according to that sensibility, having a lot of children may not make a lot of sense. But uh, uh, if you look at things objectively, on the whole, and there, just because a rule has exceptions doesn't mean that the rule is not sound. Is eating pork haram? What if you're starving though? Is it haram then? What is it? No. Oh, you see, pork's not really haram. No, that's, that's, a, silly, that's a type of silliness, right? That's, uh, th this is this idea of, 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 of some people have this, and we encourage this actually culturally sometimes. People want to see mischief in a system. They hate it when things are in order. Uh, I suggest that that tendency in and of itself is more harmful than it is beneficial, although there are certain benefits to it. If the system is wrong, then people shouldn't want to see it break down. If there's nothing wrong with the system or the khair of the system is better than, the, the, the good of it is better than, more than the evil, then I don't think it's healthy to constantly want stuff to like break apart, right? Uh, but you have this idea that what? That those children, right? Those children, the benefits they'll give to you in this world, the benefits they'll give to you in the akhirah, it's like, imagine, like, what are the other things that are, are mentioned in the hadith, right? Right? Not everyone, if everyone became a scholar, like, you know, the knowledge that someone will benefit from it. If everyone became a scholar, not just in the, like, teaching Quran and fiqh sense, right? But even like, you're, okay, I'm teaching uh, engineering because my intention is I'm going to make a car that's more efficient and less greenhouse gases and kids will go to the, you know, go to school with it and parents will, you know, drive their, you know, people will drive to the masjid with it and you'll get a lot of thawab for that, right? Not everyone can be a teacher. If everyone's being a teacher, then the entire rest of the world will break down because there's no one doing stuff that needs to be done, right? And then what's the, uh, 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 what's the, what's the third one? Huh? A sadaqa jariya, right? And that's really interesting. Not everybody's going to be wealthy enough to do something like that. And even if you do, what's more, what's a better, for example, a person makes a, a waqf, downtown Detroit, right? They make a, an endowment in which uh, the hungry are fed. All of Detroit's hungry are fed. Imagine the amount of reward that person will get. They'll be dead in their grave. Their, their good deeds will become more and more. Their status will increase more and more in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? All of that, all of that, all of that will be nothing. It will be nothing in, com in the scale pans on the Day of Judgment in comparison to when your son or your daughter says, La ilaha illallah. If you don't believe me, read the hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A man will in the one scale pan on the Day of Judgment, Sahih Hadith, you will have 99 scrolls filled with sin. Each one, when unfurled, goes as far as the eye can see. The eye can see literally other galaxies. We know that now. They will be rolled up and put in the scale pan. Everyone will think, man, this sucker is going to hell. Okay, this is, this is over, that's it. And in a dramatic last minute scene, the angels come and bring a bitaka. What does bitaka mean? Like a business card or like a driver's license or something like that, right? They'll bring a bitaka that has written on it, La ilaha illallah. They'll 
threw it into the scale. But you know, like in a movie, I imagine it like in a movie when a guy like douses the whole thing, a bad guy douses the whole building with gasoline and then they take a drag from the cigarette and they throw it and the whole thing goes up in flames. By the way, that's not possible. Cigarette doesn't burn uh, uh, hot enough in order for that to be possible. But this is something that's not only possible, this will actually happen. The angel will walk over and flick the, 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 the thing into the scale pan and it will, and the Prophet says that's this is the end of the hadith, that it, and it's heavier than all that other stuff. Okay? Imagine that. That's, this is what, this is your deen. Right? Because everybody's like, ah, marriage, MSA, they're just going to go and like get a boyfriend or girlfriend. Blah, blah. This type of immaturity, this is so annoying. This irritates me to no end. What if someone goes to MSA and they found someone who got married? I'm not telling you to like whatever, go fishing or that we're going to like pair off everyone, get married after. I'm just saying, what if somebody found someone to get married? They found someone with Dean and that they have respect for and admiration for and they ended up getting married. Would you object to it if MSA, if somebody uh, uh, went to MSA and started praying tahajjud? No. Would you object to it if somebody went to MSA and they started fasting? No. Would you have, uh, object to it if someone went to MSA and they inspired them to go and learn ilm? That's what I did. That's why I'm here in Wayne State. I'm not even from this area. What would you object if somebody, if somebody went to MSA and like, mashallah, it ch- inspired them to change their life and now they work for like a relief agency or they teach in an inner, inner city school for underprivileged kids and blah, blah, blah. Of course you wouldn't. Why is this thing, why is this thing uh, that we're like, we personally and even like the society in general so immature that they see it as something that's like so horrible? Why is it, what's wrong with telling a person that one of the most important things that you're going to do in your life is have children? What's wrong with telling a sister the most important thing you're going to do in your life is be a mother? Is it something like socially acceptable to say that to, to, to a sister? The most important thing, you know, go to Harvard, become a doctor, become a surgeon, become an astronaut, cure cancer, become an engineer, become the whatever COO of Facebook, lean in all you want, all of these things, wonderful, alhamdulillah, nobody said anything wrong about any of those things. But if someone were to say, the most important thing you're going to do is become a mother, oh, 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 village mentality, these people are behaving like villagers now. These people are behaving like villagers now, even though this is the teaching, this is not only the teaching of wahi, this is not only the teaching of revelation, but on top of it, a child who's not loved by their mother, we know even an atheist will, will tell you that it's very plain to see that that child is not going to become, uh, is not going to become, it's going to be very uphill battle for that child to, to, to have some, some, some semblance of norm, normalcy in society uh, uh, for themselves, much less be productive and help other people. This is one of the greatest services a person can render. This is a, being, a, being a good father and being a good mother. The reason I mentioned mother first is what? Literally, literally the word rahma. Rahma means mercy, right? The word rahma in Arabic, rahma is a metaphorical usage of the word. The literal meaning of the word rahim is what? The womb of a mother. Because the relationship a mother has with her child, it then becomes a standard by which a person even can come up with the idea of mercy. And it becomes a standard by which a person can come up with the idea of mercy. I'll say even one step further, if a person doesn't understand that, that, what that rahm is, there's no way that they can understand who is Allah Ta'ala. It's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam that rahmah was split into a hundred parts. One part of which Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala distributed to all of the creation. Human, jinn, uh, uh, all of the creation, uh, angels, the animal, he says that if this one part of rahmah wasn't there in the animals, that they, the, the, the animal would trample its own young uh, and not even care about it. Right? So much rahmah in everything. There's a rahmah in like whatever, the boiling 
the boiling temperature of water. Water, you know, if it was like other molecules that are of its same atomic, this is like a little bit chemistry geekness in me, right? Right. If you look at look at something that has like water as well, oxygen is sixteen and hydrogen is like so you're like eight. Your atomic weight of eighteen, right? So think of something else. How much atomic weight is there in CO two? Where's Momo when you need him? Come on, man. You got an organic chemistry exam coming up, homie. And you can't even tell me carbon dioxide? Huh? 44. So what's bigger, 18 or 44? 44. Why is carbon dioxide a gas at, at, at room temperature and water isn't? Huh? Yeah, hydrogen bonding and all this other stuff. If that wasn't the case, if water also evaporated, it was like just as stable as like a, a ketone or, uh, or as alcohol or whatever, if its vapor pressure was the same and its volatility was the same, would life be possible? Absolutely not. This is, that one part of Rahmah is in all of these things. If it wasn't there, there would be, that's it, we'd be, you know, this much closer to the sun, we'd burn up, we'd be this much further from the sun, we'd freeze, life wouldn't even start much less. There would be nothing, none of us here even to burn in that, in, in that scenario. All of it is that what? And this doesn't even mean it's 1% of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, this is just a figure of speech. Because, right, نحن قومن أميون لا نقرأوا ولا نحسبوا We are a, 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 uh, a, a, um, a qawm, we are a nation of, uh, of unlettered people and innumerate people. We neither, know, neither do we know how to uh, uh, read and write, nor do we know how to uh, do complex mathematics, right? This is, the Prophet ﷺ said this. It's a hadith, it's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. That the majority of the people, this is going to be their, their condition in this ummah. Even then Allah Ta'ala loves them, even if they don't have a PhD or they don't have an engineering degree. Imagine that, right? The idea of 99 and 100 is just a metaphor for like, there's like barely any rahmah that, that you guys have, all the rest of it is with me. This is, this is a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's literally the first sifa of Allah ta'ala that's mentioned. When we be begin reading the Qur'an, what do you say? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahmanirrahim. This is the, the foundation, the cornerstone of your understanding who God is. Right? If it wasn't for a mother, if it wasn't for a mother's love, that wouldn't have been possible. Now, I, I, I'm on the board of Khalil Center. It's a practice of clinical psychology based on Islamic values. We have an office in the Bay Area. Masha, it's a sister who runs it, uh, Sheikh Rami's wife. She's actually from Michigan. Does anyone know she, uh, uh, Dr. Rania Awad? She, she's, she's an alima and she's like, Masha, like Stanford. Uh, like board qualified uh, psychiatrist, which is for those of you who don't know what that means, she's smarter than you. That's what it means. Okay, uh, and she's a sheikha also, which means that she's also a better Muslim than you are. So, uh, so literally, literally the cases I I, I, I consult with the the the, the clinicians sometimes. Uh, about the cases, the cases that, that are seen. Can you imagine there are cases that, this is not like, like some drug addict off the street. This is Muslims, mashallah, people pray five times a day. There are cases where mothers come into the, into the, uh, um, into the practice and what do they say? They resent their children. They resent their children. They say, they say, I have these bad thoughts about harming my child, about abandoning my child. I want help because this is a thought that comes to me again and again. They resent their children because the children are uh, uh, an obstacle in their career. 
They resent their children because the children are an obstacle in their career. They're an obstacle in their, you know, making money that like, you know, like that they want to. And the thing is that a lot of us are like really judgmental. Like, oh, what a horrible woman. No, she's, she, she literally is a product of the, uh, of the society around. It's not her fault. It's not like a woman wakes up in the morning and is like, yeah, I want to resent my kid. She's actually there to get help because she doesn't want to resent her kid. She's there to get help because she doesn't want to. This is not one case. There are dozens of cases like this. And they're also in the Muslim community, lest Muslims think they're better than other people, because they're not. We're human beings just like everybody else's. The la ilaha illallah we carry is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not because of how good looking we are, or how smart we are that we have it. This, this condition, right? If a person, imagine if a person grows up like that, and they don't know what rahmah is from their own mother, how much do you think the chances going to be that that person is going to uh, have an easy time understanding uh, or having any ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The mafasid, right? The, 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 the chaos and the, the, the destruction that is muratab that will happen from this lifestyle of not treating these things as important. Again, again, I'm not saying don't go to school, don't become a doctor, don't begin to just take these things as like important, plan for these things, don't feel ashamed of them, like this is like the stigma of being like a villager that I'm, I, you know, I'm really thinking about what is it going to mean one day to be a mother, what is it going to one day to be a father, what type of person do I want to marry, right, you know, I, rather than the, tr the, the route that our, our population seems to have adopted, there's exceptions to it, right, there are exceptions to it that, uh, 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 you know, that, that some people haven't gone this way. But in general, many of our, like what are suburban middle class uh, Muslims, which is, you know, which is a great proportion of our community that they've adopted. What is, what is the harm of this? This idea of I'm going get, to get married after getting a master's degree or whatever. It's literally destroying our, our, our families. Islam is in the family. If Islam doesn't work in the family to a child, it doesn't work at all. It, to, to, you'll watch, you'll see this, like both, both parents are not giving attention to the kid, that kid in the middle of Islamic school, come, and it's happened to me, that's why I'm saying it, I'm not making this up, they'll come to you and they'll be like, I don't believe in Allah anymore, what's wrong with me? You'll see that same kid, right, when they see their parents uh, behave uh, in a way that's uh, not Islamic, which doesn't only mean like not praying, it means other modes of behavior, even if you have a beard, even if you have a hijab, when they see that, they come and they say like, yeah, and you just literally see the look in the kid's eyes. It's like the lights have shut off. They don't have any respect for anything anymore. You have the idea that that child can be your ticket to Jannah. That child can, literally can be the ticket to Jannah, your ticket to Jannah. Guess who gets more reward than Imam Ghazali does? His mother. Guess who gets more reward than Malik? His mother dressed him up. Uh, uh, he, uh, she asked him, son, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a singer. Can you imagine how ludicrous that is? Imam Malik, he's, he's like the Amir al-Mu'mineen fil hadithi asri. He, 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 like he could listen to a lecture for an hour and then verbatim, like 24 hours later, verbatim regurgitate the entire thing word for word. What did he want to be when he was a kid? He said, I want to be a singer. His mother said to him, his mother said, no, I want you to learn the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she dressed him up in the garb of the alam. He was an orphan. He didn't have a father. And she herself took him to the door of the masjid, say, go sit with the ulama, learn their adab, and then learn their ilm afterward. Who's receiving more reward than Malik? Ladies and gentlemen, his mother, did she have to memorize 100,000 hadiths, uh, chain of narration and text? No, she just gave him a good word and 
everything else happened on its own. By the way, Islam, Islam, doesn't require, Islam doesn't require a lot of effort on our parts. If we start practicing, a lot of it just Allah Ta'ala pushes through anyway. We just have to make like some correct decisions. At any rate, I, I want, I've given a lot of things for people to think about. I want people to be, uh, you know, mature about this topic, move on from smirking and laughing and making jokes about it, start to think about it seriously. Uh, uh, I promise you, right, at the age that you're at right now, the fact that most of you aren't married yet, there may be a couple of exceptions, uh, but the fact that most of you aren't married yet, this is already like, it's like taxing you psychiatrically. You just don't know it yet. It's like a person who's like gonna, whatever, realize they're diabetic next year, or a person who's gonna realize next year that like, you know, like you're, you know, you, could, you can still change it right now, you don't have, not everyone is in the same condition. For your own personal circumstances, please make mashra with Sheikh Ishtiaq and with, with one of the, the ulama or mashayikh or somebody that has a, an opinion that's worth listening to. But this is something, please, you know, think about it seriously. If you don't wanna get married uh, this year, or you wanna wait till you, that's fine. Just think about it seriously. Make a plan for yourself. That plan may change, change in the first, may change tomorrow. It may change in a month. It may change in a year. It may, you may try your, your best to make it happen. It may not happen. But those those possibilities not an excuse not to have a plan. They are not an excuse not to have a plan. And if one of you, inshallah, you know, does this right, looks for a person who has deen, you know, get, has your nikah done in the masjid. Yeah, I'm, I, I should have been done like t- like what. Like half an hour ago, oh my God, right? Uh, you know, you do all of these things correctly. But then again, you know what? It, it's to be fair to me, not everyone came on time, did they? Right? So uh, I, I'm, I'm wrapping it up, right? You do all of these things correctly, right? You do all of these things correctly. You live a life that is happy together. That life will then last forever in Jannah. Allah gives you a, a child or several children that are pious and righteous people. Forget about becoming Imam Ghazali. Allah give you a child who says La ilaha illallah after you leave from this world. And then you may, a day may come where that child is worth more to you than your medical degree. <gasps> Did he just say that? Yes. More than your engineering, more than your Tesla, more than your money. Think about that. It's a possibility. And instead of snickering that, oh, just going to MSA to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever, instead of snickering and laughing about that, think about the idea that this is not only is it something to be la- not be laughed at, but this is something serious. And this is deen. Just as much as praying and fasting is deen, this is deen. So whoever, you know, whoever uh, uh, is, uh, is interested and whoever takes their deen seriously, let them take this seriously. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq, inshallah, everybody here who wishes to find ifa and find happiness and follow the commandment of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, 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 and follow the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and live a decent life like our forefathers lived and live a life of someone who Allah ta'ala is pleased with uh, that wishes to get married in order to fulfill that objective Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of, all, of, all, of, all of the people in this room who wish to fulfill that objective may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala sallam ala sayyidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Um, so now the next session is going to be question answer session. So we're going to have 15 minutes for everybody and then 15 minutes later just for the sisters. Um, before we start the question answer session, there's actually going to be another talk by Sheikh Hamza at, uh, at 6 o'clock. He's going to be talking about staying uh, spiritually grounded in, in, politi- in the political climate. 
um, because of whatever's going on in, in society. We need, we need to learn how to how to connect back to Allah and and and, uh, and, and having that strong the foundation. So if you guys have any questions, you can either ask them out loud or or write them down in the cards and pass them on. Do you mind just yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, what's, you talked a lot about plan.